Recorded live. Oh, I have no problem holding little babies, huh? Okay. Now, let's go. <laughs> All right. Can we get going here? What? Five bucks. Who give me one dollar, one dollar bill? <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. What, what did you say the name was? Kyleen. 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 I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to see it because, you know, I'm hearing it's really befuddled. Look at here. This is the, this is the, this is the other end of, uh, the other, the other spectrum of me. A tie and a Lynn? Kai. Kai. Kai Lynn. Oh, okay. You want me to just keep going? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, look at that. Uh, <laughs> did you get a picture? Yeah. There you go. Now, I can hold her all the time. Oh, sure. I'm scared. That's no problem. I love little babies. I love kids. I don't think much of anybody else, but I like kids. <laughs> what have you got here? Oh, Kylin. That yeah, that isn't what I was hearing. See, thank you, thank you, Greg. He wrote it out here in French. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> we have to be a good team here. The older we get, the crippler we get. <laughs> yeah, hey. All right, we uh, <clears throat> we have been looking at uh, Kylin. Oh, I like that name. Yeah, I know Kyle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm getting it together. I guess live long enough, I'll get the whole thing, you know, all straightened out. Okay, um, we, we've been looking at uh, things that I want to know, and we're looking particularly here is, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Then he goes on to say that for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And when he talks about the loss of all things, he means all of the things that he had been born as a Jew with the advantages of, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him, uh, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, see, that's what he's talking about, but that which is through faith in Christ. <clears throat> now, we have a lot to talk about here in the future, but we haven't got there yet. We're up here of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and notice this little phrase right here, the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. The surpassing value. There's nothing that excels knowing Christ. And so we're focusing in on some of the things about him from the chart. The chart has how many dimensions of time frame? Three. And those that those three time frames are? So when somebody asks you about Jesus, we need to ask what time frame are you talking about? We've talked about things that 
somewhere way back before the beginning of time. In the beginning, God created somewhere back there, somewhere before Genesis 1-1, there was the Son created or begotten by the Father. That's why John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. By the way, that word loved is in the arrows, which means it is a one-time event in the past. He so loved the world at some point that he gave, and the gave is also in the in the Eros tense, gave his only begotten son, meaning that his son had been begotten before he had come. So in the, uh, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever, whosoever, whoever, depending on what translation, believes in him ought not perish but have eternal life. Now, there's a lot of grammar in that verse that is really messed up. But let's focus on the part there that his only begotten son, and we've been stressing that before he came, he was begotten. No one has seen God, only the begotten one in John 1.18, which is referring to Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ was not equal with God. He was always a son, always subordinate to his father, and he was begotten at some point, as were the other hosts of heaven, including the devil. He is not a creator. Jesus was not the creator. And all things that God did create, he created through Christ. He was the reason for all of creation. Because it was designed to solve the issue of sin that had, arrived, had, had arisen in heaven with the devil and God and his perception that people only and the other host of heaven would only serve God and only be true to him in behalf that he would reward them. The only reason, that was Satan's claim, and you find that in the book of Job chapter 1, that the only reason that anybody, according to the devil, would serve God is if they were being bribed. And he uses Job, then, as the example. Job would not be true if he were not being bribed to be good by God. So God said, all right, then you can take away everything he's got, and let's see what he does. They took away everything he had, and Job stayed true. And, of course, in that case, why then uh, Satan was defeated. And so what goes on in the past, prior to his coming, uh, we don't know a lot except that he was begotten, and he was the agent through whom his son, through whom he created all of the world and worlds, all of the physical universe, for the purpose of resolving the sin issue that began in heaven with the devil. Now, that's a mouthful. We have a lot of weeks and months that we've studied that in the past, so that's just kind of a summary. So... <clears throat> He came forth from the Father. Now, that makes a pretty unique person, doesn't it? So thus, thus, first of all, we honor Christ as the Son of God because he was the Son, always the Son, always subordinate to the Father. He became as one of us to prove that subordination. And anyone who has come from God has got to be unique, got to be a special person. 
Now that we acknowledge. His origin as to who he was prior to his coming as one of us is so important as to how we look at him now. Then, then all over uh, on the other part of the chart, in the middle part of the chart here, uh, <clears throat> we look at his mission, which we're going to look at more today, uh, is that he came into the world, and to do that, he had to take his identity with God in Philippians chapter 2, and he had to take it off like a coat and put it aside so that he could become as one of us in every way. Yesterday, I heard on the radio, on TBN, last night at 4 o'clock. You want to know the time? Did I say you? 4 o'clock is when that program started, and sometime during that program, between 4 and 5, they had a guy on there who was talking about some of the things that he had, he, he just wanted to ask God about. He just doesn't understand. What was it like to change God's diaper? He said that on TBN. Did anybody see that? It was last night. I like that music. At four to five, you know, they have a music program. Most of the music isn't right, but I love the music part of it. I don't like the words. But he asked, you know, there's, I've got some, and he's a famous guy. But he asked several questions about, you know, what was it like when he hit his finger on a, with a hammer? And particularly the part about, you know, what was it like for Mary to have God feeding from her own breast? What's wrong with that? The what's wrong with it is when he was here, he had put that aside. He was not God when he was here. And if he were God, that's the kind of foolishness that arises from that thinking, see? God was not in the, he, he was not, when he was born, he was not as a baby. That's why we had 4,000 years of history and genealogy to show to us that he was born of the flesh. Miraculously born, but came as one of us. So let's not call him while he was here. God, he had put that aside. And to start talking and asking questions about things you wonder about, you know, what would it be like to have God doing all this kind of stuff, is, is irrelevant. In fact, it's almost blasphemous. That's one way, you know, one thing about Christmas is that people think about this is, this is the baby, this is God. That, that's not God. He has come from God. He had his origin with God, but put all of his identity aside to become as we are in every respect, it says. We've read those verses. We don't need to read them again. People have a hard time with that. He was the same as Kylin. Did I get it right? See, I'm learning. I'm slow. Yeah, I'm really slow, but I'm getting it. I like Kylene. If she weren't so young, I'd marry her. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful little girl. 
All of my kids were ugly. Uh, <clears throat> aren't most little babies ugly when they're born? I always thought so, but particularly mine for some reason. Uh, they were all bald just like me. But any, anyway, uh, here, here we have, uh, so in Hebrew, Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, in, in, the days, in the days of his flesh, so that's making a, a clear distinction is made in the New Testament, folks, between what Christ was before he came, who he was while he was here, and the things that identify with him while he was here and in the days of his flesh. And let, let's go and let's just read a couple of those verses for review today. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> just so that we really get this burned into our minds, <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> oh, let's, let's look at verse, uh, chapter 2 and verse 9. But we do see him. This is uh, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9. But we do see him. We, we, we do see him who was made for what? Oh, he's got it on the board. Okay. So right up here. But we do see him who was made for a little while. Doesn't that distinguish him from, you know, what he was originally? For a little while, he was lower than the angels, Jesus, and he was doing all of these things so that he could suffer death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He had to be as we are in order to taste our death. Let's go to chapter 5 of Hebrews. <clears throat> this is really the one where I was wanting to go to. But in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 7, it, it gives us another thing that identifies him as separate from who he was and what he was prior to his coming. Notice what it says. In the days of his, and that word flesh is the word sarx in the Greek, and it's the same as your flesh. It actually means the nature capable of sinning. You hear that? That's what sarx means. The human nature capable of sinning, if you get down into the etymology of that term. So he came, and some of the translations actually get it. So in the days of his flesh, when he was as whom? You and me, just like us, just like us. Then <clears throat> we're not going to deal with his future. That's going to be the last thing we deal with. But let's go over here to the things in the book of Hebrews, and we're only looking at Hebrews for the purpose of simplicity, that here we have uh, <clears throat> a list of seven things. One is, as a, uh, as a man, here's what he accomplished. Here's what he had to accomplish as a man. And when we get done with these, which we've done through half of them already, what else could there possibly be? And each one of those is specifically stated 
He had to become as one of us in order to do it. So why do we say he had to be God? Because, folks, the Calvinist position is that because man is depraved, and I've said this before, but I've got I to gotta drill it in, that what you think about man affects what you think about God, what you think about Jesus, and what you think about the Holy Spirit. Everything is affected by how you begin with man. Because, see, that's proximate. That's, that's somebody we can see. And the theology of the other groups in town, not of the Restoration Movement, believe that man is depraved, that man has no inward capability. He lost it in the Garden of Eden. They call it the what of man? Who can fill in the blank? The fall of man. The Bible never talks about the fall of man. It doesn't talk about the fall of man. Man never fell. He sinned. And God had a remedy provided for the sin, but that did not change man's capability. In fact, in Genesis 4, right after the so-called fall, God tells Cain, Men, you're capable of solving all of your problems if you have a mind to do so. That's in chapter 4 of Genesis. We don't need to go there. But here, here first of all, he, he became the, the adequate sacrifice for all sin. And in order for him to have a sacrifice, because God is not a sacrifice, God requires a sacrifice. Jesus was a sacrifice as required by God. He could not have been a sacrifice had he been God. God is not a sacrifice. He requires sacrifice. Have to know that. He, re- he became in Hebrews 2, 6-9 the adequate sacrifice for all sin. He enabled us to be as he was. That's why it's called in Hebrews 2, a brother of the sanctified. We've already read those verses. And then thirdly, he by becoming as one of us in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14, he rendered Satan powerless. So if Jesus, where it specifically says he became as one of us, became an adequate sacrifice for all of mankind and for all of all sin of all of mankind as a man, if he was the enabler to make us as he was, now, and it had to be a man to do that. We've read all of those verses. And then if he were... If he, as a man, rendered Satan powerless, you tell me what's left for Satan that has to do that required him to be God. Where these are things that are specifically said, that we have read, folks, word by word. He became like his brethren in all things. He took on flesh and blood as his brethren. All of those phrases all are related to the things that he accomplished as a man. He acquired, number four down here, he acquired 
perfection. And I think we read that last week in Hebrews 2, 9 and 10. He acquired perfection. Fifthly, he became qualified as our high priest, and I want to spend a bit of time on that. He became qualified. That means that he became adequate as a go-between between you and God. And in order to do that, he had to be as one of us. He had to be as one of us to become a high priest. So let's read in Hebrews. Let's, let's start with Hebrews chapter 2 and read through some verses here. Right in order as they are on the board. Uh, on the high priesthood, he became qualified as a, he, as a man. He became qualified as our high priest. Look at Hebrews 2, 16 and 17. Therefore, therefore, I got to go back to read verse 16. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants, to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his whom? Is it up here? Right there. He had to be made like his brethren in two things. Is that what it says? How many things? Can you see that? All things. Look at there. He had to be made like his brethren. In how many things? You're getting it. You're getting it. Kylene's got it. Oh, yeah. She says, I like this. It's right on base. She's, she's just come. She's, she's just arrived. Yeah, she's right straight from God. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> All, oh, whoops. I had it there. Almost at it. So he might. Uh, so he had to be made like his brethren, like his brethren in all things. Folks, how can you argue against that? Uh, Nolan isn't in here, but he's always saying in, in, in the class, you'd have to have three or four doctorate degrees to misunderstand it. You know, in all things. Now, why? So that he might become a merciful and high, faithful high priest. So if you're telling me that Jesus, while he was here, in the days of his flesh, for a little while, when he was made lower than the angels, made like his brethren, was God, then we have no high priest, and you might as well quit asking God to forgive you. You have no access to God. If Jesus was God when he was here, you have just forfeited any right you ever had to God. I'm waiting for the tomatoes. I heard that. She says, I'm going to bring them next week. All right. So, so that is, so that, so that means that because he was a brethren in all things, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. As soon as you make Jesus God while he was here, you've lost that. Can't do it. 
This verse is really clear. It takes five doctorate degrees to misunderstand it. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. All right, let's go over to chapter 4. I think I made my point there. Let's go to chapter 4 and verse 15. Because we have already established now that in order for Jesus to become our high priest, that means having access to God for your sake, he had to be as one of us. We've established that. Now, let's learn, let's, uh, let's expand on that a little bit more from chapter 4 and verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who some of the folks down there on earth say was God. Oh, that isn't what it says. Let me start over again. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Now that's the power of his life. He is telling us that man is capable of being all that he can be. But Jesus sets us forth as an example that he was, he accomplished what all of mankind is capable of doing, but we fail. He did not fail. And so he can, he can, he can sympathize with us in our weaknesses because as one of us, he has been tempted in all things as we are, that is, as one of us, yet with no sin. And that's what separates Jesus Christ out. How many of you can identify that with Jesus, yet without sin, yet without sin? You've lived your life to this point, yet without sin? See your hand. I see one back there. Alex has got his... Why, are you, why is that your left hand? Oh, okay. All right. And you don't want the left one to know what the right one's thinking. All right. See, he, he accomplished what we have not. Therefore, in verse 16, let us, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We don't have to be afraid of God because he wasn't God. He was Christ. As Christ, he was one of us. Was as one of us and he was... He was able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses so we can come to him not fearing his judgment and naughty, naughty, naughty stuff. We are able to approach him with confidence. We're able to come to the throne of grace with confidence because God is looking at us through Christ so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So everything that Christ has done and that God has done through Christ is solution-oriented. God is always a problem solver. And the problem that he has with man is that man does the wrong thing 
and you're scared to death to face God because if you see God face to face, what happens to you? Who knows what the Bible says? If you see God, what happens? You're a dead man. You're, you're, you're just bait. No man who has seen God can live. That's, again, uh, John 1.18. No, no man has seen God. If you do, you would die. Just that simple. That kind of puts Jesus on the spot, doesn't it? Because if he was God, then when he was here, nobody could see him. Because if they saw him, what would happen to him? They would die. You know, just a lot of foolishness that people have bought into, and Christendom in general has bought into it, and folks, it's deadly wrong. I mean deadly wrong. So we, we can come to the throne of grace with confidence because the one who intercedes for us was as one of us. He understands life. He understands real living. Not as a God, but as a man. And therefore, rest our confidence in prayer. Look at chapter uh, 5, the next, verse, the next chapter down, and verse 10. Chapter 5 and verse 10, and I'm just following the chart down if you have it. There's more back there if you care to have one. So here, he was designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, and notice verse 11, verse 11, concerning him, we have much to say. It is hard to explain why. Since you have become dull of hearing, it, it's hard to talk about these things because people have lost their ability to focus and to think carefully about these matters. All right, so he was high priest. To be a whore high priest, he had to be made like his brethren in everything. Now let's, let's, look, let's look at two more real quickly. Number six over here. Not only did he become qualified as our high priest, as one of us, he learned obedience. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. Hebrews 5, verses 8 and 9. And what are we looking for here? That obedience to him was something that he had to learn. And it wasn't until he had learned obedience that he was capable of providing salvation. So there was a process for the son. Although he was a son, he learned. What does that suggest to you? I heard. All right. He learned obedience. So was there a process? Yeah. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect. You mean he wasn't? No, he was made perfect. 
Now, having been made perfect, upon that condition of having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him. You see, he learned obedience. We must obey him. He became to all those who obey him as he obeyed the source of eternal salvation. So it's conditional. He, comes the, he becomes the source of your eternal salvation based upon your obedience as he became perfect because of his adherence to the commands of God. And that's what it said. He learned obedience from the things which he suffered, we, uh, and all, uh, he becomes, uh, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him, that's any of us, the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. So there we have it again, folks. Here was a man, came as one of us, not depraved, capable of being good or bad, coming in the flesh, the sarks, the nature capable of sin, he came that way. That's what the temptations in Matthew were about, testing that. But somehow, he had such a love for his father that he could remain true. And folks, that's the key. The more that we love God, the more that we understand about God, the truer we will want to be. Let's read another one. And that's number, and I'll bring it to the end of the day. Look at here. He not only learned obedience, because, see, the obedience was to getting him to his mission. It's like when Mary Magdalene at the end was cleaving to him he said, don't cleave to me. This thing is not about me. It's about my mission. Remember that in the book of Luke, latter part of Luke? He, he says, you know, remember, I have a mission. It's the mission that is important, not me. We get that mixed up too. But he had to learn obedience in order to get to his mission and his purpose. And his purpose was as one of us, to demonstrate to us that we can be like he is, but that he is willing to make up the difference. And that's called grace. All right. Number seven, he became the example of a normal man. Let's, re- let's look at Hebrews 4. This is our last one. We're going to close with this one. Somebody had already told me they were hungry. I think it was Kyleen. So in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. He has presented to us an example that we as normal men 
are capable of following. That was my point. We had already read that passage earlier, but a little different slant to it here. Now let's go to chapter J, uh, James, the next book, book back. <clears throat> I mean, for, uh, 1 Peter 2.21. 1 Peter 2.21, and we'll close. Well, almost anyway. Okay. 1 Peter 2.21. For you have been called according for this purpose. See, I'm talking to you. When you're talking about the perfection, you're talking about purpose. And that Jesus did not have his purpose perfected until he was tempted to get away from it. And that's what Satan's temptations were on him, was to break him away from his purpose. We studied that when we studied um, something a few years back, I forget. So you have been called according to this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an impossible example, unable to follow in his steps, because while he was here, he was so far above and was equal to God. Is that what your Bible says? Isn't that how we read it? That's what people talk about. That's what the churches preach, and folks are dead wrong. Leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. How could he be example if he were something other than who we are? If he was something other than what we are. He was as one of us in the days of his flesh, for a little while lower than the angels, so that he could become our example to follow in his steps. That's the Jesus that we need to know, who, whose knowledge of is greater than all other knowledges in the world. Rest assured that there is no knowledge that is so valuable to you as to knowing this about Jesus Christ. We're going to sing. We've got more to say. But we're not going to say it till we meet again. Fair enough? I think there's a closing song somewhere along the line. Don't know what it is. But there ought to be one. Let's see what happens. What a friend we have in Jesus. Why? Because he was as one of us in the days of his flesh for a little while. See? Let's read it. I mean, let's sing it. Let's stand. Read it and sing it. Let's stand as we sing it one time through.